Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Green smoothies, dry granola bars, breakfast shouldn't be this bland. Enjoy a real flavorful breakfast again with Smithfield bacon, sausage, and anytime favorites ham. Smithfield hometown original bacon is made by bacon lovers for bacon lovers. Naturally hickory smoked, Smithfield bacon is full of rich and delicious flavor. Made with the highest quality cuts of hand-trimmed pork that are perfectly seasoned, Smithfield hometown original sausage links will have you drooling for breakfast. Stop hitting the snooze button. Make a breakfast worth waking for with Smithfield. For the love of meat. To learn how to make a meatier, tastier breakfast, check out smithfield.com. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Luke Ellifritz. We get into 30 years of growth and lessons hunting elk in his native state of Wyoming, sharing the experience and the value of the outdoors. So we're on with Luke Ellifritz. Luke, thanks for sitting down with me, man, and getting into this uh, topic of hunting and outdoor life and telling us your story. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, brother. So we'll just jump right into it, man. Why don't you give us uh, an intro, some background, and the floor is all yours. Yeah, so my name's Luke Elifritz. Uh I live in uh, central Wyoming. Um, born and raised Wyoming boy. Um, married, got two kids, uh, both younger. I got a daughter that's six and a son that's three. Um, busy life. It is. It's a busy, crazy time, but uh, every day they they remind me and teach me and so it's a blessing and a curse all at the same time yes sir yes sir wouldn't change it though um background um i've been a family that uh, uh hunting and outdoors has always been part of our lives um from deer camp being just a complete family reunion back when we were younger and into you know transgressing into my dad taking me into me and dad hunting together to now my kids are are coming to the age now where i get to start doing those things with them so i consider myself a generational hunter um and i consider myself a second generation elk hunter i guess so to speak um, my family really was uh deer hunters mule deer hunters from back in the glory days of deer hunting all my stories growing up were mule deer related but for whatever reason my dad kind of broke that mold and and he he really had a fascination to hunt elk and i really took to that as well it was uh 
it was kind of a little twist, a little different than what the rest of the family was doing. Kind of the way I saw to cut my own edge, I guess, to have my place, to bring my value. And that's how I would, uh, that's where I get my term as being an elk hunter, if you got right specific to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I can see that uh, fascination with the men. They're, they're amazing yeah. animals. Just the, the, the resilience and the strength and the, the majesty of the animal. They're just an amazing animal. And, and then another part of it to me, I guess, is the, when, when I think about elk in general, when I was a kid growing up, we had elk, but nothing like we do today. I mean, the, the herd populations, the herd of the elk, the elk herd health is just phenomenal compared to what it was 25 and 30 years ago. It's amazing. There's elk in places now that if 20 years ago, somebody said they just saw an elk out there that it got committed and it's pretty <laughs> phenomenal and speaks to the work that's been done and conservation efforts. And it was pretty amazing. And uh, really, I really admire that about that animal. I'm actually surprised to hear that. I mean, Wyoming. So I was in Wyoming 2018 this past season and uh, to hear that those numbers were down for what I saw, you know, in the first the first evening when I rolled up to camp, man, was was just crazy. You know, bulls right. wiggling everywhere and in elk the first morning. So I'm surprised to hear that. But I know looking at Wyoming, and that was one of the reasons that I chose Wyoming for that first elk hunt was their management and the herd and the opportunities there were, were phenomenal for a out-of-state resident, you know. They really, they really are, you know, and for me, that's, you know, that's honestly what's kept me in Wyoming my entire life. I've had, from a professional standpoint in life, I've had opportunity to go just about anywhere I would like. Mm -hmm. And uh, the outdoor opportunities that are afforded to me living in Wyoming have kept me here through it all and will keep me here. I want to raise my family here because of those opportunities. Um, the management piece of it is dynamic and there's, there's, there's tons of information out there. And, and for me personally, when I think about herd management and elk populations and levels, it, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about the herds doing so much better, being so much healthier, I could see where there could be a, a miscommunication there. Um, we've got to kind of break it down into to two parts of Wyoming in that sense. We've got the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, and then we've got the rest of Wyoming and they really truly are two dynamic and different regions and herds and dynamics and i think studies say and and historically speaking our, our greater yellowstone elk herd population numbers may be lower than they were 15 years ago but on the positive side of that when we look at the state in a whole the population and the herd has spread increased and it's doing really well so in that sense we've had we've had some big wins yeah it's a, it's an amazing it, it, to me, I mean, coming from California, you want to talk about a game-rich environment. I fell in love, you know, just driving through between the right. between the deer and the antelope, man. I mean, every time I looked off the side of the road, you know, if it wasn't two or three, it was 10 to 20. It was just an amazing right. experience, man. And just elk, you know, seemed to be everywhere. Well, and just the, and I'm partial to it, so I'll, I'll speak high of it any chance I get. But just the vastness that we have out here mm -hmm. is 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 overwhelming and breathtaking all in one right and one of my favorite things about uh getting to be around people that get to come out here and experience the first time is just how overwhelmed they are at how much country there is out here how much space how much opportunity we have 
I'm I'm smiling thinking back on it because your your description of it is man it, it's it's spot on. And you know what surprised me is I didn't I anticipated the deer. I don't think I anticipated the numbers of of anything I saw the antelope, the deer, the elk. Um, but moose, I was yeah I was taken back, man. That was that was my first moose I laid eyes on. You know, um, in the woods and I maybe twenty five yards away. He wasn't, yeah, you know, impressive animal. Oh my goodness, man, he was huge, you know, and he's hiding behind some a little row of aspens, like I couldn't see his, you know, right. eight nine foot stature. That's, that's a, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in love with that place. There's giants, man. So, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good, brother. So let's talk about uh, 2018 season. So you've been on uh, on Instagram um posting these these yearly posts right and they they really have me intrigued especially because now i got this this elk fever but i want to hear about a little bit about that but let's talk about the 2018 season and and get some of those insights from 2018 well yeah 2018 you know it was another blessed year i mean that's that's the best way i i look to describe it um you know, probably my biggest take or my my greatest achievement in my eyes from 2018 was uh, my three year old son is is actually at a point now where he's he's intrigued and he's inquisitive and he's asking questions about hunting and he's asking to go with me when I go out to look and he asked to go hunting this year and and it you know getting asked that by your three year old son was. Uh, you know, it, I, I can't even put it into words. It was just magic. I mean, it just it just grabbed every part of me. So we looked at it and tried to figure out how to how we were going to do it. And a good friend of mine, we decided we would buy some uh, over the counter mule deer tags and go do a little mule deer hunting with him. So I think the season we had, we picked where we go hunting was opening on October fifteenth, which was a Monday, and uh, so we. I told him the night before we're going to go hunt in the morning and he gathered up all of his stuff he wanted to take and put it in his bed with him. And he was just ready to go. And I got him out of bed at about three 30 in the morning. And, uh, he, he, he likes his sleep, but it, even at that three years old, he had the, the, the same excitement level I did. He popped right out of bed and we got dressed and we jumped in the truck and we, you know, it was about two hour drive to where we were going to go hunting that day. And the weather had broke cold. I was a little nervous about it. It was in the single digits that morning when we got ready to go. And I didn't know how much we'd be able to do. But we got him all bundled up and headed up the hill. And uh, he was a trooper. He was ready to go. We kept an eye on him. And as the sun came up, the weather got better. So it worked out. But he wanted to walk and hike and do everything that dad was doing. And, and there there was times I'd have to throw him over my shoulders to get him up some of the hills. We had enough snow on him, but he ended up walking almost six miles with me that day. And I just loving it, picking up sticks and using the binoculars. And it was great. And we never did get us a deer that day, but we saw a deer and had fun. And he didn't care. He was out there with dad, he, man. He, could care he was less. hunting, man. He did. It was just, we were hunting. He told us stories and, and then day two, we went to a different, different part of the area to hunt. uh, We could, we spotted some bucks that second afternoon and uh, 
in range. We could have just, you know, dollied up and shot us a deer, but I thought, no, let's see. Let's just see if we can get down over there and, and get, get, get up to him close where he can really see what's going on. So we put about a 400 yard stock on these deer, crawled on our bellies, got up under a tree and, uh, was able to make sure that he could see the deer. And, uh, when he told me he could see him, he was sure and he was ready. We went ahead and went ahead and took our deer and got us a deer. And just to see that pure joy and enthusiasm and excitement on his face was just a magic moment this year, this last year. That's, that, those are priceless memories, man. Those are yeah, absolutely it, it, priceless memories. Just untarnished, just pure love, you know, embracing. And I mean, just really getting in touch with that part of, you know what i believe we are as people so it was it was awesome that that, that was the the tip top and but we had a we you know last year really worked into a lot of firsts um was able to uh take two young uh ladies out for their first elk hunts this last year which was really really was an honor you know to be asked to be a part of that with somebody is something that i take very very I see very important and, and sacred and it was truly was a blessing to be a part of that with them. And both ladies were able to uh, harvest mature bulls, make good clean shots. And, and I feel like we really gave them a positive experience. And, uh, that means a lot to me. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that these days, really being able to, to help and support men or others and, uh, seeing what's out there and what's available and why it means so much to me. So that was that was really a, a highlight this last year. It, it's then, so much more than than us taking that animal or notching our tags, man. That I I love hearing that stuff. It's and it's something that's really hard to, you know. I get it a lot. You know, I spend way more time behind my binoculars with somebody else behind a rifle or a bow or whatever anymore than I ever do myself. And it's hard to explain at times to people, but there's a, there's a gratification and a satisfaction that comes from that, that can't be replaced. It's, you know, the gift, the gift of giving truly is a blessing. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, it, it, to know that feeling to take that first animal and experience that. And, and you were, yeah, you were part of that story. They'll never forget that. That'll be something they're, you know, passing down and hopefully they, they share that experience on, you know, your side of the glass, so to speak, you know, when they're able to, it's, it's amazing, man. I love hearing the mentored hunts. Now were these first time hunters, youth hunters or. Um, no. So one, one had been hunting before, um, but this was her first elk. Um, and the other young lady, this was her first hunting experience. So it was, yeah, it was really, really good. You know, I think we had good experiences. I think we left them with good impressions and, you know, I, I feel like I was really blessed when I think about the outdoor life and hunting. I mean, I had my dad, my grandpa, my uncles. I mean, I was afforded every opportunity to get out there. And that isn't the case as much anymore. You know, I think as society has changed, that's not as prevalent as it was when I was a kid. You know, so I guess, you know, in a way that's, you know, paying it forward. You know, if I can do that for somebody, then I feel like I can honor the memory of my dad and his willingness to do it for me and all my buddies that were curious about it, you know? 
and it's important, right, for us to continue the tradition uh, is to be able to pass this down, right, and, and be able to bring people that that are not direct family or you know or even directly you know friends for that matter, right, um, to be able to bring them to that experience, man. That's that's great. Well, yeah, I, I think it's too easy to complain, you know, and and I I think there's we've seen it turn into a lot of you know for lack of better words i think a lot of people are content to complain about the changes that we see in society and and people's mindsets nowadays and i think too often we take the easy road and just jump on the complain train instead of lacing up and and putting our best foot forward out there and and you know mentoring people educating people you know and i think it's important and i think if we want you know i it, I'm getting to the point in my life now where I'm not doing things so much for me anymore, but for my son, for my daughter, you know, the world that they're going to grow up in is going to be vastly different from where I was. And I want to afford them the opportunity to experience the things that I've experienced in life that mean so much to me. And the only way I can see to do that is to put my best foot forward, my out, get, and get out there and get out there with people that haven't been afforded that opportunity. Like you said, pay it forward, man. So with all that you said, um, biggest challenges as hunters? For me, biggest challenges are, you know, while there there is a lot of opportunity out there, I, th I think that uh, we, we're challenged because we're, we're seeing diminishing opportunities. Um, and by diminishing opportunities, um you know, private property access isn't what it was 15 and 20 years ago, which puts available places to hunt. It takes them out of the equation. Um, the cost of hunting is increasing every year to a, to a point where it takes it out of the equation for some people, you know, so that's a diminishing opportunity. And that's a challenge that I think we're going to be faced with in this younger generation that, um, you know, the conservation efforts are there and, and there's a lot of people trying to do these things. And it seems to me that a roadblock that always wants to come up is, is, is money and revenue. And it's, you know, I, you hear a lot of times, well, it's just five bucks. Well, I'm, I'm, there's people out there that that five bucks, you know, Makes might be all they got and they right. can't afford that. Right. So mm -hmm. that takes that opportunity away from them. So <clears throat> I think, you know, a challenge and something we look at for the future is, you know, people are amazing creatures. There's, there's gotta be something we can do to, to get these people that are, that have these challenges in their life involved and out there and allow them to be a part of this and not allow the, the money thing to take it out. Cause it, you know, hunting to me is so much more than I guess what it's become. It's, you know, I don't, I don't picture it as trophies or as money or as I'm managing or anything else. You know, to me, it's, it's one of the things that's created America, you know, it, it allows us to get in touch with, you know, what we are as humans and what's built the world that we live in today. And I think that, I think we've lost some of that over the years and, and I think hunting's just one small way that we can give that back and embrace that part of our lives. That's a rough, that's a rough conversation, right? Um, 
because everything is so easy. We, yeah. you know, most people view it as, well, why do you do that? I don't have to do that. Right. I could run down to right. Safeway or Ralph's and grab my steak, yeah. you know, then it, yeah. we can, and it, and it is easy. And it's, a, you know, it's an, it's a luxury that we are afforded, you know, through blood, sweat, and tears and years of, of evolution, whatever you want to call it, however you choose to look at it. But I think it's important to, to recognize and embrace, you know, what it takes to have that, you know, and, and for me personally, <clears throat> you know, I've, it's important to me on the daily to know that I can do those things. You know, I can support myself. I can support my family and egotistical or macho or whatever it is. One of the, the gratifying ways I find to do that is through hunting. You know, I can do that. I can put in the work. I don't have to go to the store. You know, I don't, I don't know that. I, I understand you kind of framing it that way, but I don't, I don't think, at least I don't hear it and, and I don't feel that way. There's nothing macho about it. There's nothing egocentric about wanting to go out and pursue game and say, you know, I put that meat on the table through my blood, sweat, and tears. Because a lot of what we do is blood, sweat, and tears to go lay an animal down. It is. And, and, and it, you know, and I don't want it to be, you know, there's, yeah, I promise you every year I, I'm with young ladies and, and women that are as good a hunter as you're ever going to find and as enthusiastic and everything else. And, and I think, it, I guess I just, I perceive that, you know, as in my mind, I say, I think there's a stereotype out there about it. And, you know, and I, it's, you know, I, I view it as a challenge and, and just how do we articulate, you know, how do we, how do we articulate to the, to people out there that it's okay to embrace that part of our being our personalities our souls and that that's a hard one because the opposition and i don't know maybe maybe we're a bit biased right and i've brought this Mm -hmm. up before maybe we're a bit biased and we start talking opposition and you know anti-hunters things of that nature um maybe we're a bit biased and we're chopping at that you know maybe a bit louder and we're just losing numbers because of convenience. Maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's anti-hunters. There's there's groups that are against it politically, and they're pretty strong. Um, but I, I think there's some misconceptions when you start looking at that stuff. It is. And, and, and I think in today's day and age, with the way information travels and, and, you know, the small blips that we get to make available and readily available to people, it's so hard to encompass a thought, a feeling, or a belief that things get miscommunicated and misunderstood. And I think it's easy for me as a hunter to put a grip and grin photo up there and be taken as somebody that just cares about a trophy. And I think it's for somebody that's, that doesn't have my belief to look at that and accept that. And, you know, I just finding a way to be able to articulate and find that middle ground that, when you get right down to the root of it, I truly believe that we're all, we're all out there for the same purpose. We're all out there trying to, trying to get the same thing and find the same things and the same answers. We're just taking different avenues to do it. Walking, walking the different path. 
and it's it, it seems like and here's another bias of mine maybe it's just me <laughs> but i as a hunter it seems that we are more apt to respond to people being uh, i don't want to say against it uh, because we do get very defensive but we'll listen to their opinion and respect their opinion a bit more than they'll respect ours um, and our right, if you will, to hunt. Um, I think we don't pose an opposition to whether or not they choose to do it, but they, they, as non-hunters, we'll just say it, they don't seem to hold the same ground, right? They, they want to just say, Hey, it's wrong. And we're like, Hey, if you choose not to do this, that, you know, that's your decision. Right. And, and I, and I think that we do have that passive ability and, and I, and we see it a lot. We do. I, I would say, I agree with that. I'm saying I'm that way. I'm, I can be very, very passive about that, you know, and find common ground with, you know, the person that's there to hike and observe and, you know, and I'm, I'm great. We're there for the same reason, man. We're, we're both trying to find something inside of us that only mother nature can give us. And, but I think it's easy to get defensive too. And instead of really, I, I truly believe that the majority of people, when given the correct information and the right amount of the correct information, can accept and find tolerance. We just don't, we don't allow ourselves the time and the energy to communicate the answers. And we don't allow ourselves the time and the energy to listen to the responses. And that's where I was, I was kind of saying that at least, I don't know, maybe it's just like, again, maybe it's just me and I'm stumbling on this, but I can, I can sit and have a, a hour conversation with somebody that doesn't hunt. Right. And, and they can get as mad as they want to be, you know, and I can walk away with a smile on my face. Hey, I shared the experience with you. This is, this is really what it's about. Whether you agree or disagree, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll walk away. I'll still respect your decision at it um, or uh, your decision about it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see that. I guess the defense, I don't have that. You know, I, I don't, I don't get very defensive if they don't like it. I just go about my business, right? It's not going right. to stop me. Um. So the, so the voice of hunting, right? You, you kind of talk mm -hmm. about that and, and having those conversations. I mean, it's all over the place, right? We see it on social media, in the, in the news media. What should our voice be? What should that message be when we are trying to articulate it to, you know, call it the other side? Well, and I think that's where it's really important for us to understand our audience, understand our situation and where we're at and, and I think it's important for us as hunters to embrace the fact that it's changing right in front of us right now and changing faster than it ever has. And it speeds in which we haven't seen. And <clears throat> we need to take a step back and, and, and really think about what we're communicating, what we're putting out there and how we're doing it and take the higher road here on this one and except the fact that it's going to take us longer to change their minds than it is, than it should be potentially, I guess, to, to sway them. It, this isn't something that's going to happen through 
one news article or one picture. It's it's going to be a, a a long drawn out process. It's going to be a journey. And but I think it's really important to understand who you're talking to, you know, and and try to try to find a commonality first, you know, and forever the I think that you know I, I was I grew up in the magazine generation. You know, so I had to pointedly go out and find a hunting magazine and then spend money to read and see this stuff. So I was so it was contained to my group, right? It wasn't we didn't have this cross pollination that we see now through social media. So so we didn't hear the outrage, we didn't see the the disdain at the levels that we do now. Um and and I think that's causing the narrative to shift. Um, you know, in the magazine generation, it really, it really was about grip and grins and, and trophy photos. It, it was, that's what we paid to read about. And it's, it's put us into a corner where we are perceived as, you know, the status quo trophy hunter. Well, you know, and I know that's not the case for probably 99% of us out there. But we've got a, a huge burden to overcome because there's a lot of information, and a lot of pictures out there that I'm sorry, but they visually tell a different story. So it's, you know, convincing them and proving to them is a is a daily process. It's 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 a path we got to walk. It's a life we have to live on the daily and we can't falter because at the point we falter, we lose our credibility on that line of argument. So post media, social media, when we're throwing pictures up um, and it's available for anybody to see there and, and, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, beating and kicking the dead horse here, Mm -hmm. but we need to approach that with caution. Right. And I think so. There's people that'll say, well, no, I don't, I don't need to, I don't want to. Uh, it doesn't help when, you know, when we're digging our heels in, uh, it, it, it just doesn't help us. So how do we get that message across to hunters, to people that are out there that are saying, no, I don't want to do this. The, right, just like we're doing right now. I mean, we're, I'm seeing it. You know, I was I was at a point. Well, first of all, I am very new to social media. I've been on it for about 14 months. It was not part of my life until about August of 2017. So it's been a real roller coaster for me just learning how to work it, but then watching it. Um, and and I, I think I can tell you that I'm seeing the shift. And, and whether or not that's because I'm more focused on the other side of it, that could be part of it. But I, But I truly think we're starting to see a shift. We're starting to see a dynamic change. <clears throat> We're seeing less and less of the, you know, the the punchline below the picture being what the what the deer scored. You know, we're seeing less and less of the punchline below the the picture being how far the shot was. You know, I I think that slowly people are starting to understand that that's not the message that people are hungry for. That's not the message that we want people to have. And I think it's one of them things that as frustrating as it is, it's it's the line we got to walk every day. It's the life we have to leave. If we truly want this to change and we truly want people to believe 
what we're trying to say, we got to walk that walk every day and we can't falter. No matter how frustrated we get with it, we can't throw our hands up. We can't take the easy out. If we want the tradition to stay alive, we have to walk the walk, right? I mean, that's part of it. Yes. That has to be our life, you know, and that's if we choose to to participate in social media, then we need to understand that, you know, no matter how small we think we are, or how big we think we are, somebody's going to see it and that's going to pass on and that's going to develop a stereotype that's going to develop a mindset and that's going to create a belief. What do we want that belief to be? And I've seen, I mean, you see it all the time, right? Well, you'll, you'll get somebody, they'll post, you know, they go deer hunting or, or, I mean, even as small as, you know, dove hunting and, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting, call it hate mail, right? Via social media. Oh, yeah. And, it's and bad. when you look at that stuff and you go, okay, this person had, you know, has two or 300 followers, 400 followers, and somehow mm -hmm. someone across the, the pond, right, is sending mm -hmm. them threats and telling them how, you know, how horrible of a human being they are. I mean, we have to understand that it doesn't matter if you think you have a, a, a tight group on social media. And I don't think that most people are focused on just having a few friends on social media, right? The big thing is to have a bunch of people on there following you and sharing, the, you know, you, you hope that there's some commonality and you got the same people with the same mindset, but the potential for that thing to reach around the world, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about it that way. Right. But the right. potential is there. Well, that that's, you know, for me, that's the scary thing with social media. And like I said, and, and the really, the realization that I'm starting to have with it and how broad it is and how far it goes and, and how delicate of a line it is to walk. Um, but I also think on the whole, most people are reasonable. You know, yes, there's people out there that send disgusting hate mail that, shouldn't be tolerated but on the whole i think we all kind of walk in between that i mean we have our we have our values and we have our beliefs and we feel strongly about them and we're willing to communicate them and share them at times and i would say that that's on the fringe but i think we need to understand as sportsmen that's something that we're up against right now and i think it's very important as sportsmen that we take the high road and the high road at times is a tough road to walk yeah, because who doesn't want the trophy pick, man? Who doesn't want to share that? Look at, you know, you're you're proud of every I, animal. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, I'm going to put mine up there. Uh, and I am proud of it. And, I'm, and at times, I'm proud of it because of, you know, the antlers. That is a part of it at times. I, I, I'm not going to tell you it ain't. But it isn't what. every time, and it's not the only thing. Well, I've... You got some antlers, bro. <laughs> you <laughs> you definitely have yeah. some antlers, man. There's there's you know I'm sure that the the walls are full <clears throat> of real nice bone. But when I look at your post, and like I said, man, I'm you know I, every day I'm like, okay, when when is Luke posting? I'm gonna read this story today, <laughs> right? And and you actually you're able to in a short little window there on on Instagram, you're able to pull us into the experience part of it and hey this is what i got out of it and this is why it was so great and i think that's very important um i it's amazing how you're doing it and it's a and i'm gonna let you explain it but it's a year by year post right these are little snippets you know year 22 mm -hmm. year 23 year 24 mm -hmm. um it, it's amazing man i 
like I said, I, I look forward to them. I saw the one this morning, and I'm going, yeah, this is this is great. I think I commented on it this morning too. I mean, yeah, they're phenomenal posts, man. But that's the story that, that needs to be out there. So give us some well, background and, on those, man. Those are awesome. You know, it was it was posed to me. You know, why do you hunt? And at first, I gave the generic, stereotypical answer. Well, you know, I eat the meat, and it, it's not that that ain't true. But then I was challenged as, you know, is that, is that it? Is that all you want? You know? And so it really, it made me sit down and think about it. And, uh, the more I thought about it, the, the more it made, you know, to me, it made sense. And, and that's why I, I title every post journey of an elk hunter. Um, cause it's truly been a journey and not just a journey in hunting. Um, it's been a journey in life. And, uh, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to get it out there. And, and I wanted to try and, and tell a story in any year by year basis, you know, just a small snippet of, you know, how I've become who I am. Um, cause I'm proud of who I am today. And, uh, so that's, but another part that it really, when I, every day I sat down and think about that and I started my first one journey, journey of an elk hunter year one. It goes back to when I was eight years old in 1988 and the first year I got to go up on the mountain with my dad. And I sat down to write that post that day and that that week came back to me. All those memories and all that in that time and the smells and all of that stuff, it was it's still there. It's I still hold that with me. That's how much value and pride and and what it meant to me. And I'm not unique in that. I mean, we all have moments. We all cherish things like that. I, I just, I, I talk to people all the time and, you know, a lot of Midwestern guys, I talk to a lot of Midwestern guys and, uh, have grown up on a farm, hunted whitetails, love to hunt. They've read about elk hunting. And I talk to them, you know, throughout the year, some of these guys I've been talking to five, six, seven, eight years. And, I've watched them go on a couple of elk hunts and, and hit a wall and get frustrated with it. And then that's when it really come out, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try and tell a story day by day of every year. And, and hopefully that guy that's getting ready to go on his, his third elk hunt, but he's frustrated. And this, you know, if it doesn't work out this time, he's going to throw in the towel. Maybe, maybe it inspires him to keep grinding, to keep going because it's a, it's a process. It's a journey, you know, depending on how you deem your success, but there's, there's so many lessons every time we step out there. And it really, it's brought me to the realization, you know, and some of that through writing them, them stories that, you know, I've, I've really found a connection to life through hunting and, hunting to life you know the the adversity and the challenges that we learn to overcome in the pursuit of an animal for me are transferable to my life and the adversities and the challenges that we face day to day whether it be at work or in our personal life or with our kids or whatever I mean when I get on the mountain there's a tenacity that comes from deep within that I will not stop I will not fail I will climb this mountain i will find that elk i will not i i cannot fail i will not fail and at the point where i learned to to live my life like that 
I started to become a better person. And when I started to become a better person, I started to become a happier person. And it's reflected in my life and my life's in a great place now because of it. And it causes, it and, causes and not, so much reflection too. I'm sorry to cut you off. It causes so much reflection oh. from those experiences on the mountain, but you're able to look at yourself on a daily basis. And, and, and I equate it to my experiences hunting, right? I'm like, okay, you know, this is what I learned on the mountain that day. So I'm, I'm always challenging myself to grow. You know, I mean, you, you look at when we're hunting, right. you know, typically we're hunting somewhere between September and November, most places, right? So in that yeah. three month period for the average guy, you, you might spend what, 10, 15 days if you're lucky. Some guys get only seven, Yeah. Um, but that, you know, call yeah. it seven days. That reflection from that little bit of time last the other 300 and you know 58 days out of that year man is just amazing it's to in, reflect on that it, yeah and then the lights come on day one when we're on the mountain and boom it comes back okay last year i did this and this happened i'm not gonna do that this year you know that's there was so many things that i learned there you know and you know I'm, i was a boots on the ground guy i read my magazine articles and and took off you know let's go see i read this let's try that let's you know and then and it progressed and it it just kept progressing and kept progressing and and finally one day it's you know the old adage the light bulb came on and you know i've been i've been blessed in the last oh five or six years and i i've you know i've took some really good animals and some animals that i'm really proud of but it took me 25 years I spent 25 years to put all that together where I could go and do that. And, and, and then, you know, and I love it when I get, get to get on the phone with a guy who's got, he's been elk hunting three times and he's going into year four. He's read all the books. He's, he's done all this. He, he just hasn't got his elk. And I love talking to him and they've got a fire and a tenacity and, and I can put my second, I'm back 17 years old. I mean, that, that was that guy. And, uh, I, I just wanted to put something out there to, you know, to, to tell people it's okay. It, you're going to fail. You're going to come up short. Don't quit. Hold on to it. Go do it again. Gonna you're going to get more. there. Yeah. yeah appreciate and then, it that much more. And then when, when that moment hits you, man set back and enjoy it take the time and and really think about what you've done and where you're at and it's pretty amazing and it's 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 rejuvenating and it's refreshing and it's a reset and you know it's yeah it it's it's life man that for me it is it's it's my life you're able to put it to words way better than i could ever imagine because i i can't describe it Right. That that feeling I get from it, I just cannot seem to describe it. I cannot articulate it. It just yeah, my mind goes all over the place, man. Well, it, it's such a hard thing to articulate because it's such a personal thing. Um, and, but I think it's important for us to embrace that, that, you know, that those moments in that time, those are personal moments and those are personal time that we all need. And it, and take the time to understand that and think about that while you're out there and it'll allow you to grow as an individual and it, and it can make you a better person. And, and then, and then you can embrace the, you know, for me, it's allowed me to embrace the whole aspect of it and, and take some of the self-imposed burden and pressures of getting an elk or getting my bull or 
getting one that big, you know, I, I, I've finally been able to push through a lot of that and, and really start to enjoy the, the journey. And that's what I look forward to, man, is the journey. Yep. That's it. I love it. I mean, I love the growth. I love the self-reflection. It, it's amazing. So elk, right? I'm, we're going to, you, you got, 30, elk, you got 30 years, man. So, you know, yeah. last year I've been trying to, I've been putting in for tags here in California. I think this will this will be 2019. This will be my 16th or 17th year. So I said, you know what? Forget this, and started applying out of state. Got some points built up. Headed to Wyo yep. last year. So let's talk elk, man. I, I want I want as as much information <laughs> as I can get <laughs> on elk. You're gonna feed this one. It, it is it is my waking thought. And it is my last thought when I'm putting my head to the pillow at night. Right. And and I'm not scared to say it. My wife knows it. <laughs> She's tired hey, of hearing the bugle. <laughs> We're the same mindset right there, I tell you that. I mean, my my biggest thing and and what I tell everybody, go hunting elk, man. Go hunting. There is it's there. You can go hunting every year. You just gotta set your mind to that's what you're gonna do. The opportunities are there. And it, I mean, it's for a guy that lives in Kentucky, it's pretty tough for him to get elk tag Kentucky every year. He can do it, but it's pretty tough. But I mean, there's, you know, we have a lot of preference points in the non-resident hunting community and world or states, however you want to look at it. And it can be a challenging, frustrating journey to get a hold of some of these tags now california is not a state i partake in but i take part in draws in about all the rest of the western states and i would tell you to keep getting your points in your predetermined areas that you want to go hunt someday but then i would tell you to be focused on an idaho over the counter tag a colorado over the counter tag and oregon over the counter tag these they're out there and you're going to get to go hunt elk, and and go into it with a realistic expectation you know you're going to hunt elk you're not going to hunt a 400 inch bull and then once you get that mindset now now you're getting there now you're starting and i think when it comes to elk one of the one of the things i run into with newer newer elk hunters is you know, I'm going to use Utah, for example. Utah has got some of the best elk there are out there. They're, these guys are killing giants. And I'm telling you, I'm 15 years into the, the want to get one of them tags. And I'll get one someday. But I'm not going to sit around for 15 years and not hunt elk. I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to Colorado every two or three years, or in my case, probably every year. I live in Wyoming because I can buy a tag over the counter and hunt 70% of the state as a resident. And I do it every year. And, you know, and then I'm playing the point game in the rest of these states. I, you know, I apply in Arizona, I apply in Colorado, I apply in New Mexico, Nevada, Montana, all these places. But do your homework on that and figure out how you can, you know, and it, it's different for everybody, but, you know, what, what your budget is, what your time is even if it's only every other year that you go out on one of these over-the-counter hunts in 20 years, you've done that 10 times, 15 times. When you draw that coveted tag, you're going to be ready. Yeah. You got the experience. You got some boots on you're, the ground. You're ready. 
you're ready to go and and enjoy that tag for what the potential has to offer. And and I think that that's I run into a lot with new hunters is they're overwhelmed by acquiring the license to begin with. So do your homework on that. There's a lot of great resources out there that kind of cut through some of the red tape and then understanding that utilize them start picking a few of these places where you can get out and just go hunt and start there and then start working to your 15 point draw or your 20 point draw whatever it may be and then for me i mean elk you know let just to get to specifics on elk you know the guys that come and hunt with me that know me my saying is elk aren't random an elk doesn't do anything randomly. Get that out of your head. You do, I do not go through any hunt anywhere with the misconception that an elk is random. He does everything for a purpose. And for me, I break that down to basically two, three, maybe three things at the most. And it's eaten and it's continuing on his genes. That's all he cares about. And that's what drives him to do everything. I think we give him too much. At times we sit down and, and we start thinking elk can think analytically. Well, I, brother, I don't believe they can. <laughs> he wants to know where he's going to fill his belly and he wants to know where he's going to find a hot cow. Right. Once we start to accept that, we can start putting pieces of the puzzle together. And for me, you know, I, I was, I looked at it as a, is a pain in my butt when I was a kid, but I used to have to go up and check the cows two or three times a week on the mountain in the middle of one of the best elk herds in the West. And I'd do my, my fence checking and my cow checking in the morning. And I'd spend the whole day well, just, just watching the elk, just watching them, looking at them. And uh, it took me a couple of years to dawn on me that I was learning elk and I started, then I started really paying attention to them and, uh, watching how they moved and how they grouped up together and how these bulls had moved that way. And those cows had moved that way. And I started thinking about it, paying attention to it. And then as I started hunting more, I started watching them a little more and realized that, you know, those elk are doing the same thing them elk did. I wonder if they're going to be over on the other side of that hill and, through trial and error and time, it, you know, I've found a way to what I would tell you is pattern elk. And uh, I use it, I call it, you know, it's, I hunt elk based off behavioral patterns, I guess, is what I would tell you is one is my style. And I, I put, I spend my time trying to learn more about elk behavior. And what causes that behavior, you know, what triggers those behaviors. And that's kind of my, my tactic or my strategy. Now I'm not, I'm not that interested anymore than in a hunting magazines, write up on a particular unit. Um, I'm more interested in the biological information of elk herds in certain regions. And then taking that information and utilizing the information I've gathered over the years and hunting them based off behavior. And for me, if I had to pick, I'm a post-rut guy. I like to hunt post-rut bulls. Why is that? They're, 
they're solitary animals. Maybe they're in a group of two or three, but they're, they're individual. You're looking for an individual animal. I can target that animal and select that animal. And then I can pursue that animal. And I get a satisfaction out of that, that no other method has gave me. And it allows me to use my preferred method of behavioral hunting. So are you rifle hunting them or are you archery hunting them? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a rifle guy. If, if I got right, I bow hunted and I, and I bow hunt with people every year, but, but I ain't launched an arrow in 14 years, probably. Um, and at first it started out on the selfish reason that I didn't want to be done elk hunting in September. <laughs> I hear you there. <laughs> but it's, but it, it enlightened me that for me, the, the personal satisfaction side of it for me is I want to hunt a post-rat solitary bull. That's the bulls I like to chase. And that's a, in my opinion, that's a harder chase. I mean, you don't have, you don't have the eyes on you. But that's yeah. a harder chase to to find one to you know to get that one bull, <clears throat> and if you're you know selective at all and you want the monarch yeah. of the mountain, so to speak, that that's a challenging hunt. It, it's a unique, right? A unique challenge, and and like I said, it's just for me, it's just the one that that spoke to me more. I don't, I, don't get me wrong, I love being on the mountain when the bulls are screaming. It's nothing that raises the hair on the back of your neck <laughs> like a bull bugling, you know, but I prefer, I prefer to be the guy behind the shooter calling at that point, not the shooter. I'm, you know, and it's, you know, just a personal growth thing, but it's, it's a unique challenge in, and it, and it's like anything, it's, it's a progression, right? We all go through progressions and changes and evolutions and, and that's where it ended up for me, but, you, you definitely didn't pick the path well, the least resistance with with that solo bull i tell you well, that I, I, I would I, I would tell you that i think it might be easier to harvest that mature bull that way than it is in the middle of the rut and i, I bet you there's other people that tell you the same thing i, I could see yeah. that i i could see that right i mean they're 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 less likely to be on the cows there's they're less likely to you know not want to leave the cows. Um, and then, like you said, they're just, you know, worried at that point, they're worried about eating and you know, where they yeah. can bed down. Well, and it is and <clears throat> I don't want to use the score of a bull right now, but I don't really, I think that's the easiest way to kind of describe it. When I got to the point in my journey where taking an animal of a certain size became a factor for me it didn't, and it did you know i started that's when i you know i started bow hunting and i spent you know bow hunted a couple of years and you know got a, a satellite bull never killed anything big with my bow um but i really you know i thought well maybe i can they're bugling i can find them easier i'll be able i'll be able to get a big one easier and i couldn't i couldn't get that big bull and i could get close and you know and i and, it, and a lot of it was i didn't know the proper calling techniques and stuff and i didn't understand the calling aspect of like i do now but what i took from it was that big bull's got all them cows and he doesn't give two rats about me over here and i can't get close enough to him to shoot him because i can't sneak up on him because there's all them cows watching so scratch that i'm not doing it that way and so then it pushed me back into you know and 
like I said, I don't like to be done hunting in September. So it pushed me to hunting into October and finding places I could hunt in November just so that I could increase my time on the mountain is where it started. It wasn't because I knew something, no, somebody else didn't. But as I started doing that, I learned that I could pattern these elk. You know, I was, I'm afforded the ability to spend the time necessary on the mountain with a herd of elk, watching them, figuring out what they're doing, that I could pattern these bulls. And I learned after they got done rutting, within a certain amount of time, I could pick these bulls back up in their, in their core spots, which would enable me to slip in there and hunt them. And when I, I started getting a couple of them like that, it, you know, I got self-gratification out of it. It really tripped my trigger. And so I've really worked on progressing that as of late. That's kind of my chosen method. And then, you know, the other time that I like to hunt, if I'm going after big bulls, I'm a, I'm a pre-rut guy. You want a bow hunt, buddy. I want you here before they got cows. And I get guys that scratch their head and question that, but we've taken some really, really big bulls before they start cowing up, hitting it just right. And they're huntable. They're really huntable right then. And, uh, you don't get the calling action that you do in the, the peak rut, you know, so you got to give a little bit of that aspect of the hunt away. But if you really want to target that, that upper level animal or the, you know, the top end of your maturity level, I'm going to tell you that that's your, your opportunities early. So what's the strategy because as a new elk hunter, right? It's, it's at least for me at this point, right? It's calling. That's what you see. You get on, mm-hmm. you know, YouTube or any of that stuff and it, and it's all calling, it's all calling. So what, what's a strategy, um, for that, that pre-rut? I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to tell you that you can pattern an elk the same way these guys pattern a whitetail. And if you start digging around, there's a ton of information out there on how these guys that have hunted whitetails their whole lives pattern these whitetail bucks. You can pattern an elk the same way. It's just on a bigger scale. So for me, when, you know, if we're going to go, if I know I'm going bow hunting with somebody this year, about the first of July end of June, I'm on the mountain and I'm going through my bulls and I'm identifying my target bulls. And once I find two, maybe three bulls that meet the criteria that I think we're looking for monsters, I've seen the post <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm on these elk five, six days a week, you know, but you know, I'm two and a half, three hours every morning. I'm two and two and a half, three hours, three nights a week. You know, most of mine's early in the morning before I go to work watching them, but I'm patterning them and, and then I'm figuring out that schedule and that rotation that these bulls are on. And then I'm going to tell you that you got a small window, you know, for us in Wyoming that you, we can't start hunting until September 1st. So it gives us a small window. But I, I'll tell you, you got 36 to 48 hours that that bull is going to move all day long. And if he's moving, I can locate him. And if I can locate him, I can hunt him. So I'm finding them in the summer. I'm, I'm putting in the time to pattern these bulls, find out their rotation. And, and then when it gets really, for me, understanding crunch time is watching these bulls strip their velvet. I got about 
12 days, usually maybe 14 from the time these bulls strip velvet until I need to be hunting them. And generally that's the first couple of days of September when this will hit. And then I got a day and a half to make it work. So it's that last two weeks, of August, I'm probably on the mountain 14 days every day watching and trying to figure out where he's going to be at in the rotation at that time frame. You know, how am I going to get to him? What's my wind patterns doing? And, and I would tell you that I'm more of a either an ambush style or a spot stock style at this time. Not necessarily going to do a lot of calling. You, you can, and it can be the, the effective, but it's really situational for me. And the biggest bull we've been that we've took in the, from the archery side was ambush style. It was patterning that bull relentlessly. Um, the winds were right opening day archery season and we never made a peep at bull walk to 38 yards and one well-placed arrow and he was it was that was that you know and it worked out and i and i think it's a really effective way to if you if you can put the time in to to get out there in the summertime and locate these bulls and and you can you can put the time in to to figure out their rotation their pattern you can effectively hunt these bulls pre-rut. So one of the challenges with that, okay, we'll go back to it, California, right? Southern California, mm -hmm. there's no bulls, right? So my elk hunting mm -hmm. for the, you know, as far as I could tell that maybe the next few years is going to be out of state. So mm -hmm. not being able to pattern those bulls, at least in my head right now, is I need to either rely on the calling or get there and spend three, four days scouting and figuring it out before, you know, season hits mm -hmm. is, is how I see that. And, and for me on an out-of-state hunt, um, you know, let's say that I draw New Mexico this year. Hopefully I draw New Mexico this year. But if I draw, I'm not going to be down there scouting that hunt. And I'm going to be hunting in a unit that I've never been in. And I'm not going to. You know, I got too much other stuff going on. I'm not taking two weeks this summer and going down there and scouting. I mean, it's, it's what I guess they call it e-scouting now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a map guy. I'm, I'm on my maps and I'm scouring maps and I'm identifying potential areas. And if I'm an archery hunter, um, depending on the terrain of the unit that I chose, either A, I'm going to target when I can get peak vocalization because that's going to maximize my ability to locate elk. Or B, I'm picking a location that gives me maximum glassing ability to locate elk. And I'm comfortable either way. You know, um, I would probably personally lean towards the maximum visibility. I like to use my spot and scope and I like to stalk. I would probably lean that way and try to stay early because I think you can target the bigger bulls easier before they're cowed up than you can when they cow up. Um, but I mean, look, if you're looking at a unit that you know is high alpine rolling and you're not going to be using a spot and scope, then I need to recognize that. And I'm going to pick peak vocalization periods just to maximize my opportunity to locate and put myself on elk. Right. But I'm also looking at a hunt like that, that I'm not necessarily going to be hunting the, the, you know, I'm not going to be as picky about what I'm after on a hunt like that. 
because I haven't been able to afford it at the time. I think that's where, you know, going in with, with tempered expectations, you know, and understanding, you know, for me, that's more of a, you know, that's a hunt that I'm going to look at as an opportunity to go hunt a place that I've read about or heard a story about or always wanted to see. And, and I'm going to look at it as a hunt where I can challenge my beliefs, you know, where I can, uh, I drew an Arizona elk tag here, uh, 2015, I think, or 14. And, uh, went back and forth on hiring an outfitter as, I mean, it was a, it was a tag that had some serious potential. And when it finally come down to it, my determining factor was I wanted to go down to Arizona and hunt elk the way that I hunt them in Wyoming. Cause I wanted to know if Arizona elk were any different than Wyoming elk. And, uh, so for that particular hunt, I went down six days before it opened. You know, I did all my map scouting. I talked to the biologists. I felt like I had good data about what the hunt could offer. And, you know, so I set my standards and took off. 16 hours later, I got to where I was going and I had six days to put my boots on the ground to confirm what I'd seen on my maps. And, brother, I'm going to tell you, after four days, I thought I had really screwed up. I hadn't even seen an elk in four days. And I'm beating my head. What, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing? And uh, decided to grind it out. You know, I'm going to grind it out a little bit more, but I, I had to get a little bit out of the box. And boom, day five, we locate a bull. And uh, beauty. I mean, he's a this slammer bull, beautiful bull. And first bull I've seen, first elk I've seen. And I'm our, uh, my uncle's with me. And I tell him, I said, I'm, we're going to hunt this bull. We're done. We're not, we're not scouting anymore. This is our bull. And we spent the next two days, morning and night, watching that bull and trying to figure out if he had a, you know, a pattern or whatever. And, and I felt pretty comfortable coming into opening day that he did. And uh, we go peeling in there and uh, drop, start dropping down off in this big canyon this bull's in. And we are not 200 yards off of a hiking trail and I'm an elk. I got elk all around me. I can't even move anymore. There's so many elk. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like you bonehead <laughs> there, you know, it was a big burn area and there was so much feed up on top in the, the easy to move around areas and no pressure to move them out. That that's why I couldn't glass them. I'm sitting there. It's not 30 minutes in daylight. And I got four bulls under a hundred yards in front of me. And I can't move and I'm going nuts because I got to go another half a mile to get to my, this little point that I want to be on to try and catch this bull before he slips into this timber. Well, I'm sitting here and I, <clears throat> I got a pretty good look at three of them and, I'm, and they're not anything I'm going to take. And so I'm just kind of waiting for him to feed off out of the way so I can continue on down the canyon. And, uh, 10 minutes probably goes by and that, that fourth bull starts getting a little closer. And then the start looking, man, that sucker's got some horn on it. And I mean, it's a pretty thick burned ponderosa. And uh, so I can't see real good, but I can tell he's got a heck of a frame on. It. Well, he, he kind of turns that one time and I tell he's got a, you know, he's got some good fours on him. He's got pretty good back end on him. He's got pretty good well tail. 
eh, maybe, maybe, you know, keep watching him, keep watching him. And another five minutes goes by. Well, he finally gets up there where I can see his front end. And, and, you know, he's got some, you know, not real good ones, but his twos and his threes are pretty dang nice. And uh, I look at my uncle and I said, if I can get a shot, I'm going to take this bull. And my uncle kind of looks at me in, in disarray and shock. And he says, it's, op- it's opening morning. I said, I know it is, but I told you I'll, if I found a 340 bull, I was going to take him. And this bull's going to go 340. I'm going to take him if he gives me a shot. Well, of course, instead of feeding up where the other bulls are at, he big boy decides to turn and start feeding on around out of sight. Well, I go into panic mode again. It's, you know, it's like, well, I've, I've made up my mind. I like to harvest this bull. And now I'm watching him disappear, and I'm not going to be able to find him again. So I'm trying to to stay calm and wait him out. And these other two bulls just keep feeding closer and closer to me. Well, finally, I like the heck with it. I'm I'm gonna go. And I start trying to sneak past these bulls. And at this point, that well, the one bull's probably 25 yards. The other one, he's he ain't 50. And and I'm teepee creeping past them, trying to sneak through these trees and to where I get eyes on that big bull again. Just about the time I think I'm safe and past them i don't know if the wind swirled on me or if i popped a stick or what i done them two bulls blowed up oh boy there went this morning i've done run every elk out of the canyon and it it just one of them deals must have been meant to be because when them two bulls went crashing down that that timber that big bull turned around come walking back gave me the shot and brother i did not hesitate we I laid no hammer down on him <laughs> and uh we were you know 45 minutes into day one of my arizona elk hunt and i was punched out and ecstatic that's awesome man i went yeah. silent there man i i i was absorbing that that was that yeah that, it, yeah oh when it was just it was a it was a post red hunt we had a bachelor group of four bulls you know ended up with a legitimate bull um, was able to harvest him, you know, and, and the other thing that I really took away, I mean, the, the rack, you know, that was part of that hunt and getting a big old bull, but knowing that I could transfer the, you know, my beliefs and the way I hunted from Wyoming to Arizona really gave me a sense of accomplishment, right? It, it, it filled a, it filled a question in a void that I had and boom, confidence boost man i mean i went even harder on these non-resident tags at that point (laughs) (laughs) i gotta go i wonder i wonder if this will work in new mexico you know i you know the right now i mean this might be the year depending on how tag draws go but their oregon offers a late season coastal roosevelt elk hunt man oregon in november yeah those coastal tags i've been looking at them because i want to get up there this year and and from archery season to the late, you know, or post rut, that that's a really good tag. Well, that's in a, so I start talking to a few guys about this coastal hunt and tell them I want to come out and do it in November. And I keep getting told, man, you don't want to do that. It's wet, it's thick, it's a jungle. They're not talking. You can't find them. And I'm getting more and more excited, excited. about it. <laughs> Same thing. But I've man, I got to try this. Yep. And, and, and like I said, this might be the year, depending on how tag draws go, if I got the time slots available. I'm packing bags and head west. And it's just, you know, chasing that challenge, that experience is just phenomenal. And 
just nothing they, they can, elk can give you. And here I'm telling stories instead of talking about elk. Yeah, that I like I said, man, I went silent. I I'm trying to be a student of that whole game. Um, so to hear it from a guy that's got 30 years in, man, I, I had nothing to say. I was smiling that whole time. The one thing that you had, that you said that I want to touch on a little bit is you said you're, you're more interested in the, uh, biological information, uh, with the elk. Mm -hmm. So are you talking countable ratios or Mm. what are we looking at there? Yeah. So when I'm looking at a, a, a perspective area to hunt, um, you know, if available, I, I want to know how they, what the overall population of the region is. That's one of the numbers that I really key on. I want to understand population base. Um, then from population base, my next questions are going to go to bull to cow ratio. That's a very, very important um, herd dynamic to me. Um, and then the other thing that is very important to me is, and it's, it's not always readily available, but uh, if you can find calf recruitment calf recruitment i think is a very crucial biological number that can tell you a lot about an elk herd <clears throat> and then once i've gathered that information you know i'm i'm looking at harvest statistics and these states are getting pretty good about supplying some really good information and harvest statistics and one of those you know age class you know i want to look at average age of harvested animals and for me, once I, once I put all that together, then I can start building my own perception of, of, of that you unit. know, what caliber of animal I'm, I'm hunting, you know, if I'm looking at a, if, you know, a biologist gives me a region and he says, you know, I got an overall population at, at 2000 elk and I got a bull to cow ratio of, you know, I got 40 bulls for every hundred cows. I got 40% calf recruitment. I got average age harvest of five and a half or six and a half brother i'm going after some big big bulls there's going to be some giants in there and and the reason i think that's important and why it shouldn't be overlooked anywhere can produce a giant anywhere but to maximize my opportunity to find that giant i need to be in areas that can produce a giant every year that makes makes a lot and when if I'm looking at a unit that's got, you know, an overall herd population of 500 with a bull to cow ratio of 10 to 100, I'm going to have low calf recruitment. I'm going to have sporadic calving patterns, which all these things lead to, you know, giving an animal less chance to be healthy and reach maturity. You know, my, my low bull to cow ratios can, can be an indicator that, you know, I've got, third fourth maybe fifth cycle breeding going on which is causing my calves to drop you know from april to august maybe which does not play well into calf recruitment and if my calf recruitment's really poor i'm not replenishing that stock and then the next thing i look at on my harvest statistics i see a two and a half or a three-year-old age class you know it's it's taken away the opportunity for them animals to reach those potentials so then if I, if I look at it in a 10 year period, I might be a unit like that. It might only have a nine year old or 10 year old bull in it once every 10 years. Um, as hunters, I think we give ourselves too much credit in our ability to affect the population. We have, 
and we overlook natural attrition. Right. And that, and natural attrition, I'm going to tell you, plays a way bigger role than we do in a in in what's available to hunt than the hunter does. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent I mean, not just with the elk. That's that's all the in the yeah, and the best way to to account for natural attrition is through a healthy herd. You know, and for me, a healthy herd is going to be somewhere with a you know a bull to cow ratio of. And, I, and I'm not an expert or biologist by no means, so take this for what it's worth. But for me personally, I'm looking at, I want to see numbers of 25 to 100 bulls or better per hunter cows. You know, that's kind of my minimum threshold when I'm researching. You know, harvest, overall harvest percentage doesn't mean that much to me. I don't really pay much attention to that. But if, if it's available to see age class harvested, I think that's a really key number as well. And, uh, and I, and I, I believe that with that information that we can, you know, with the right time and tactic, we can go in here with an expectation of hunting older age class animals. And for me now, that's what it's about, you know, and I think it's, you know, when that's where I've gotten to the point now that the score doesn't mean as much to me as now. It's cool when you hear 405. Now, I will never take that away from anybody. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but it's more realistic and more achievable for me to go and hunt a 10-year-old bull than it is a 400-inch bull. I, I think, you know, I, I heard a, 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 a biologist told me one time, I asked him, I made the mistake of asking him about 400-inch bulls. And, and he told me, if I had to put a number on it, I would tell you that only one in 10,000 elk will ever have the means necessary to reach 400 inches. Wow. And it takes way more than age, right? Genetics mm-hmm. go into that. Feed Jeez. resources go into that. Weather patterns go into that. All these uncontrollables. And, and after, you know, start to pay attention to that information, I can tell you I hunt units that in the seven-year-old bull, an eight-year-old bull, he might his score might only be 315 that's that's a mature bull that's a trophy bull for that region but now i can tell you there's regions out there that an eight-year-old bull is he's got the potential to be 400 inches so that's where excuse me that's where i temper my expectation on a hunt but i try to base that around fact not speculation you know we got to read between the lines on the information that's available to us yeah i I've been quiet. I've been, man, you should see this note, this notebook. <laughs> it's loaded. <laughs> it is loaded, man. That That's information right. that I, that I can't go gather myself, right? That's 30 years of experience just laid down it, in about it, 20 minutes. But, but you can go get that information right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, but yeah, but you know, no one, you know, having that, that there you go. sorry about that. Go ahead. It, yeah. There's a, there's a game plan, man. That, yeah. that, I, I want you to know that I want, you know, that, that makes you a better hunter. That makes you more successful. That gives you more enjoyment out of it. That keeps you out there. That's a win. Yeah. Cause what I've been looking at is, is bull to cow and, uh, the harvest stats that mm-hmm. that's really, you know, where looking at the, uh, out of state opportunities, that's re- really where my focus has been. So looking at these other numbers, man, I'm gonna have to jump into them and look at those. I didn't really look at the population and then definitely not the, the calf recruitment. So yeah, that's well, and 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 and, and calf and where calf recruitment's going to come into play for you, and, and it's, it's more on that statistics is, you know, 
we are at the mercy of, of winter out here on any given year. We can have a year that, you know, knocks out 40%. Well, that 40% that's going to get knocked out is the oldest and the youngest. So calf recruitment's an important number to understand what kind of bounce back am I looking at? You know, is it going to be three years to recover that unit? Is it going to be two years? Is it going to be 10 years? And, you know, when I'm following and paying attention to these calf recruitment numbers, it gives me a better idea of what my expectations should be on that herd. You know, I had a bad winter last year, but, you know, in the past six years, I'm averaging over 40% calf recruitment. And, you know, I got a 28% harvest rate on a herd of elk that's a thousand strong with a bull to cow ratio of 40 to 100. I'm not worried about that winter. I'm going hunting. But now if, if I'm sitting there waiting on the, I got 20 years vested on getting that tag and I look at all that numbers and I got a population of 500, even though my bull to cow ratio is there, my calf recruitment's 10%. Yeah, but, but I'm probably pulling the trigger on that tag for three or four more years. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm holding up. And, and plainly and simply because I've vested so much time and so much of my life into an expectation of that hunt that it's not going to meet my expectation if I pull that trigger now. Even if you temper it. Yeah, even tempered, you know, because let's be honest, if I'm going to invest 25 years for one particular license, there's got to be a strong emotional tie to that. Hunt, oh, yeah, there is. Or there's there's some chance for some serious bone on that hunt. And I want to maximize my chance to grab whatever one of those it is. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Like I said, you're you're you just uh, threw some gasoline on that fire. <laughs> and it's well, and that's the you know, I went through a point not that long ago where I was so angry that all this information was out there, and was almost felt jaded. It's like, man, how can you put that out there? Now everybody's going to know that. And thankfully, I was able to move past that and embrace that and. You know what? Somebody told me that stuff once before too. You know, right, right. It's now I'm telling you, just pay it forward, brother. Yeah, no, of course. And 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 a lot of that is too. I mean, when you're looking at this stuff, um, and just getting into the elk game, you got to be able to still seal the deal. <laughs> well, yeah, you know? you, you, you got to seal. And the that's deal. where that's where then that's why I don't put no weight on harvest statistics. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what that next guy's effort level is. I don't know what his mercy point is. You know, I know what mine is. I know I that harvest is, it doesn't mean that to me. If there's an elk there, I'm going to go find it. Yeah. I ain't going to stop till I do. Yeah. yeah. No quit. That's what it takes, though. But, I mean, for, you know, you in California or a guy in Indiana that's wanting to come out and go elk hunting and let's, you know, I'm going to go to Colorado this time. There's ample opportunities for Colorado over the counter elk hunts now. Uh, if I just buy a tag and go hunt, who knows what I'm going to end up with. And that's what but if been... I go in, oh, if I do a little research on this, I can go into that with a, with a realistic understanding of what I'm up against. You know, if I've got a low herd density, you know, I can realistically, I'm not going to get frustrated after day three when I haven't found an elk. I already know that I have a low population, you know, so I can keep grinding it out. I can stay, I can stay focused. I can keep my edge. I can stay on top of it. My mind doesn't start wandering. I know that's what I'm going in there with prepared and expecting that. But now if I go into, go into a hunt that I know has a large population of elk and after three days I haven't found an elk, buddy, I'm packing up my tent and I'm moving, moving my butt. Right. 
I'm in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. And Colorado's opportunity, I really like it. So I got points built there. But like this mm-hmm. year, I think I'm just going to go OTC, let those mm-hmm. points build because the over the counter yeah. opportunity there is, is awesome, man. Phenomenal. I, you know, I've hunted Colorado. I started hunting Colorado OTC elk in 1997. And since 1997, I have probably hunted Colorado over-the-counter tags 15 times. I mean, it's I, I'm there two out of every three years. And, you know, that's a lot of my new hunter introductions run through Colorado. You know, guys are first getting into this. They're not in the point game. You know, I can't get them a, a Wyoming tag. They don't have a point, you know, and they, they, so they can't get drawn. We load up and we go to Colorado. Don't worry about it, bud. We can buy a tag. We can go elk hunt. You know, we're not going to be chasing, you know, some of them units producing some dang good bulls. The, the units I choose to hunt aren't known for big racks, but, buddy, we're going elk hunting. Yeah. Yeah, especially and, on the first time thing. Yeah, we're, we're going elk hunting. You're going to get to experience it. You're going to get a taste of it. You're going to get to see what it is. You're going to start preparing yourself mentally for when you get that good tag. You can go start emptying the wallet. <laughs> yeah, it's a there, there's a financial burden that's involved oh, with it. Yeah, yeah. you got you got to be committed, man. It's it's budgeting all year to to fund these hunts, man. It's, I get people ask me, you know, how do you spend so much time? And and that's part of the journey, you know, is understand that I've spent. 20 years of my professional life with the sole focus on maximizing my ability to, to be hunt. able to hunt. Yes, sir. That is it. Yeah. So for me, you know, with, with that, my kids are a bit older, right? So then they both played sports. My daughter's in college now. My son's still in high school, but he's not playing ball anymore. So there was mm-hmm. man. So she's, so she's, you know, I'm going to say 14, 15 years of athletics. So I didn't, yeah. I wasn't. Eats up your time. Time. Yeah. I wasn't. Eats up your time. time. So now that they're older, right, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, balls to the wall. You know, it's like right. <laughs> I got the opportunity now. I'm gone, man, as much as I well, can. The, <clears throat> yeah, I, I went through a selfish phase in my life where I picked my job based on how much time I could get to go hunting. <laughs> I picked where I lived based on how much time I could spend hunting. And, you know, I've been able to work it out, and we've got through it. and found balance in it but uh, the nothing replaces time you know when it comes to to being successful you know time it takes time and and you gotta you gotta learn through trial and error and you gotta learn through failure and you you know take 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 whatever information you can get and and see where it fits into your your schedule and see where it fits into your plan and i think it's really important to to define our own success um, and, and recognize that we can't always judge ourselves against others because we don't understand their, their opportunity or, or their experience level or any of these things. You know, don't look at a guy with a 390 inch bull and, and be envious and jealous. Um, you, you don't necessarily know what he's sacrificed and put in to get there. And, and, and on the same token, don't ever downplay somebody for taking an animal that you perceive as not good enough. You don't know what that animal means to that person. You don't know what 
they're afforded. Maybe that guy's only got two days a year to go hunt and he just, he wants to get something. He's going to get whatever he gets, man. Respect it. Right. I, I mean, so that brings us, uh, oh, I don't even want to do it. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big discussion, right? And and it's probably a discussion that's had way more often than, than anybody could stomach, but we're implosive that way. Mm-hmm. Why am I judging another hunter, right? If he's out there and he's getting after it and he's, and he's putting it in, why, why am I passing judgment on his path or his decision? As long as mm-hmm. it's ethical and it's legal, why do I care? Why, you care? why do I why do you care? care? It's crazy. That and, and I think I think you need to recognize when 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 emotionally we we get to that point because I mean all of us probably have something along that line that runs through our minds every time, but I think it's important to at that point recognize it and look at yourself, you know, because. For me, I found that if I have those kind of feelings of animosity towards somebody, it's because I've let myself down somewhere and I didn't follow through on something that I should have followed through on. And what I'm saying is coming out at them, but truly it's probably something with me. Mm -hmm. Understand yourself, you know, check your own kitchen first. And I think, I think that's a, you know, I think that's important in everything. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, we, you know, and I said, you never know what somebody else has got going on. You, you don't know what they have or what they're up against or anything else like that. And, you know, don't be that guy. Yeah. And the bone on the head. I mean, it, it's to some folks, it's not important. You know, no. it's just getting out there and harvesting that animal. That's what's important. It doesn't matter that. You and, know. And, 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 and understand and accept the fact that they're genuine when they tell you that. You probably if if I pick ten guys that are in my circle, eight of them could care less. They don't care. They're all, they're going to go hunting for four days or five days, and they're going to love every minute of it. And they're going to get their elk. They're going to get their deer, and they don't care what it is. That's not what they're there for. And that's cool. That's their thing, man. I hunted with a guy last year, and you know he had, he's been hunting elk. I think it was his ninth year. And, uh, he finally said, you know what, I'm going to hunt and then come down to the last two days. If I got to take a, a spike, I'm taking a spike. Yeah. And get it. Yeah. And he, he, you know, let it go on a, let the arrow fly on a spike, man. He, you know, couldn't get, he's about a 40 yard shooter. He's a, a back East guy. So he's shooting, you know, 40 yards, no, uh, no rear sight on his, on his bow, no peep. So he's kind of eyeballing through his front side, shooting 40 yards. Well, we couldn't get it within, you know, 60, 70 yards. He wasn't comfortable. So it came down to it, man. And he, you know, he shot his, his spike and I was elated for him. You know, it's like, man, congratulations. This has been, you know, this many years, you finally got your elk. You're coming every year. This guy's, you know, in a Western state, man, going after it, trying to do it. And and he finally just said, forget it. I'm doing this. It's going down. And man, we talked for two weeks after that hunt. And every time we talk, I'm like, how's it tasting, man? How you doing with it? You know, and he was just elated. And it, it just drives me yeah, crazy yeah. that we we put that opposition up against each other. It's nuts, man. Well, it, when we do and we shouldn't, I mean, really, you know, and for me, I it, to get to that point, I really had to look inward, you know, and, and the answers came from within and, and understanding and accepting me 
for who I was and what I was capable of. And that comes with time too. You know, I, I don't expect a, you know, a 19 year old guy to listen to that and get it. But I'm telling you, stay the course, brother. You'll understand. Yeah. It's going to come. It will make sense. And I think, and, and, you open your eyes to it early enough. I think it's going to come on the mountain a lot sooner than most. Yes, exactly. And, and, and those in, for me, those, those are small, them are small wins in life, you know, in, in any aspect, I just, I just hunting, you know, if I can, you know, if I can cut the learning curve for you by two years, by taking the time out of my day to have a conversation with you, by all means, brother, let's, let's, let's have a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's it. That is it. So we'll jump off of elk, man, because I'll I'll keep you going all dang night on that. Uh, I'm <laughs> obsessed. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your connection with the Kong Valley Collective. Mm-hmm. That message, your part of that message, and why that's important to you. Yeah. So I started kind of picking up on on Kong Valley in late last year and uh seeing some uh some of the posts that were starting to hit kind of pre kong valley launch even and uh it it was a it was a message i was hungry for and and refreshing i mean i was i was really you know mid season last year i was at a point with social media where i was just kind of getting done with it it just it was a frustration it was a thorn in my side that you know, I, I, it didn't bring any positivity to my life. And um, Rev Christian reached. They kind of started reaching out to me there towards the latter part, and uh, and really, you know, commented on some stuff. And and it kind of opened. I was like, man, there's there is some, you know, genuine. Maybe is not the word I'm looking for, but there's some good people out there that that see things this way that that get it that aren't you know just about this or just about that or just about pushing a narrative i mean this this guy's come on so then you know kind of started following him and, and reading and hearing his his message and and then that introduced me to jonathan and, and jay met and uh i just i was eating up what these guys were putting out there and it just you know, for me, it started with uh, a, a new faith in social media populations and demographics and, you know, cited me again. And I looked forward to seeing what they said those days. And it made me feel comfortable to start putting some of my feelings out there and thoughts out there. You know, hey, these guys can do it and I can do it. And then, you know, as, as it got closer to January there, started really kind of talking with these guys more. And, and I, you know, for me, it was just, man, just keep doing what you're doing, guys. I love this. It's, this is great. This is, I needed this. I want to see this. And, and, uh, you know, and that, that was one of the things that started to inspire the journey posts, you know, Hey, there really is people that respect and understand and want to hear and see this. So started doing that, you know, communication lines increase, um, gives a point where, you know, we're talking on the phone two, three, four, five days a week, you know, about, you know, just life or hunting elk or whatever it is. And, and there is a, there's a belief there's a drive and there's a passion. And, 
you know, your podcast with, with Jonathan again, that went out this morning. I mean, you can hear it. That guy is just, <laughs> he is ate up and on fire and he is going to make sure that it goes and he's not going to stop. He is going to pursue it relentlessly. And I admire that. And, uh, and it's, it's inspirational, inspires me. And so we just, you know, it just, it kind of just organically transpired and to the point where, um, Jonathan and, and Christian and these guys asked me if I wanted to be a, a part of Kong Valley and, and I said, sure, you know, what do you need? What, what, what do you mean? Well, just, just keep doing your thing. We need to get the message. We need to get the word out. And it's, you know, so I'm, I'm telling you in the last 45 to 60 days, you know, I'm, my brain is elk, but it's been centered on why, you know, and, and self-reflection and, and really trying to hone in on the words to combat the negative persona and perceptions that we've allowed the lifestyle to create. And so my, my technical role now um, is going to be the operating officer for the Kong Valley Collective. Um, and I'm, you know, with Jonathan, I've learned that what that is today might not be what it is tomorrow because the brother's going to come with some more heat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was one of the things since you brought up his episode, uh, and he and I have been talking for, I don't know, maybe like three weeks, four weeks now. Um, just kind of mm -hmm. going back and forth and the same thing. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I think I said it on the episode, but one of the things that I noticed that stood out to me was his ability to self-reflect at any moment mm -hmm. when he heard something or he felt a certain way and, mm -hmm. and realize that, Hey, I might need to make a adjustment to myself here. I may need to open my, you know, that opened my eyes. I need to open my heart now. And that's one of the Insta things that impressed me was was his ability to do that. Not a lot of folks do that. Well, it's so admirable and refreshing that you know, you got somebody that is willing to put themselves out there in front of everybody on a belief, on a message that, and oftentimes it could be considered contrary to popular belief at times. Absolutely, <laughs> that man owns it every minute of his life. I've never, he's never swayed and just, yeah. I'm, you know, if you say something and he, he'll hear something, he'll key on it and own it right then and there, man, I missed that. Or I really got to work on that. He owns it. And to have somebody that's willing to do that is number one, admirable. Number two, it's inspirational and it's so refreshing. I mean, it, if we could transfer that, just a, a percentage of that into what we do every day, we're going to be better people and we're going to have better lives and we have a better world. So one of the things that's that, what Kong Valley is for me. One of the things that I noticed with it was that commonality with so many people that feel the same way, that feel the same way as you, that feel the same way as, as John uh, as Christian, um, as me, I mean, even then, and that was one of the things that, that John and I started talking about is he's like, you know, Hey, I listened to a couple of the podcasts, man. And, you know, we kind of have the same thought process. And I'm like, man, I thought the same thing, listening to you on the other two podcasts, but to right. see that organic growth of, 
of their movement has been, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's inspiring, but it, it's inspiring as a community to me. And like you said, you know, you, you look at everything and go, oh man, this is kind of frustrating looking at the whole, you know, narrative. But to see it and it's like, like you said, yeah, it's out there. This is, this is wonderful, man. So getting that, you know, getting everybody to open their mouth and then that's, you know, with, with Kong Valley, that seems to be the mission there, right? Is to get everybody talking. And that's one of the reasons that we linked up and said, Hey, we're going to do these, you know, midweek episodes where we get the voice out there, get everybody going, man. And it just fit into my platform so well, you know, what, what, it was no way we couldn't do it. Well, and and, and that's why it's, to me, it's just, it's such a great thing. I think, I think when we look at it on the whole that, you know, like you talked about earlier, the, we have a tendency to be passive in, in front of adversity, you know, it's, well, it really isn't affecting me. I can, I can walk away from it. And, and I think on the whole that I'm of the opinion that the greatest majority is silent. I mean, what we see is the extreme spectrums on both sides. And what I, I truly believe is the majority, they're hungry for this and they're of the same mindset and they're of the same belief. But we're, for whatever reason, whether it's a personality trait that keeps us there or whatever it is, we don't deem it necessary to publicize it, to put it out there. And for me, Jonathan gave me the strength and the courage to stand up and say, Hey, I'm one of those guys. I'm that guy. You know, I'm doing it for this too. You know, it's not just about that. It's not just about that. I'm, I'm comfortable now to tell you that elk hunting is my life. It is a part of my life, 365 days in whether that's physically or mentally or giving me the ability to reflect on a challenging situation. I live it. And, and it means more than harvesting an animal and I'm comfortable and it's starting to give me a voice to articulate that. And I think if we can continue to articulate that and we can stay the course and we can walk the walk every day, we're going to see more and more of this coming. We're going to see more and more people and eventually the narrative changes and we, it gives us the ability as a community to take away the opposition's bullet points. We will defeat that through our actions and actions will always speak louder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is long overdue in my opinion for as many years as I've been hunting. Um, especially I'm going to say the last six to seven years, uh, the narrative has, yeah, I, I don't even know what to call that. I almost want to say it's, mm-hmm. it's done a tailspin, right? And it's going straight to the ground and crashing. Um, yeah. It, and it's, from, I mean, it, from it's our changing so fast right now. Yeah. And, 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 and we have, and, and we're afforded an opportunity right now to kind of, to change the course of it. And, and, get back to the the root of it to the the fundamentals of it to the value of it and 
it, 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 it's time to to gather the troops and come together and and let the voice be heard. What's crazy is is the value in it is what we all are seeking, but why aren't we talking about that? How did how did we that lose traction and all the BS we see gain so much? That that's what is amazing to me. Because we start talking well, about the value in, in the hunt and the and the experience and, and what you're learning and how you're growing. How did that lose traction? Well, I think it comes for me, it comes from the the desire to have instant gratification. And we, we live in, let's be honest, we live in an instant gratification world now. And if I put something out there that is extreme. Um, either way, it doesn't matter which way, it provokes an emotional response that is easy to get instant gratification. Whether that be positive or negative, I'm getting some kind of reaction. And I think it's easy for us as people to highlight and dwell on that. And there wasn't an avenue to get instant gratification over what I see as everyday and normal. And, and Kong Valley Collective enlightened me to the fact that I was hungry to see it. I was hungry to hear it. And I'm hungry to express it. And if it could do it for me, I think it's, it's got the opportunity to do it for everyone. And, and we can change minds. We can, we can encourage people. We can strengthen people. And we can bring people up to the point that the right message outweighs and is heard louder than the extreme message. The ability to articulate it and share it without fear of judgment, I think is a big yeah. part of it. Right. Well, and that's like, for me, I'm telling you a year ago, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want, I might put a picture up, but I didn't want to put any comments on it because I, you know, I didn't want somebody coming on there and bashing it because I didn't want it to trigger that emotional response in me. And I saw a lot of that and I don't see it as much now. And I think it's because I've learned how to, you know, manipulate what I look at and read and understand. And, but I also believe that it's coming, it's, it's out there. And, you know, if I put it up today and even if that only triggers one other person to do it tomorrow, that's one person. Well, compound interest, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to grow. You know, fires start from sparks. And, you know, I, you know, I can't express how thankful I am to, to Jonathan and Christian, you know, and, and having the strength and the courage to stand up and do what they're doing and, and the courage to speak that way for without fear of repercussion. And, and thank them for, you know, I mean, I feel really empowered today in that part of my life because of what they saw and the vision that they have and the energy and the passion that they bring to it every day. And that takes a lot to not only admit to yourself, but to get on here and put it out there. Right. It's, so it's just, here we are. It's here so we're back empowering. Growth. Yeah. Now, now we're back yeah. to growth. <laughs> and somehow we're, we're, that's dude, all we're taking the journey. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, and it, that's, 
and that's you know someday i hope that through instagram i can figure out how to tile that journey in and and tell a story on how much positive spiritual emotional gain i have been able to draw from going hunting from what started as a five-year-old kid following my dad around in the bushes not having a clue what i was doing to the man that it's enabling me to become and it it's it's very, it's, you know, it's, it's empowering and it's gratifying and, you know, don't, do not take your insecurities out on somebody that's strong enough to put that out there, you know, take it for what it is, you know, you don't have to oppose it, you don't do anything, but let it resonate. And if nothing else, respect the courage that that individual showed. And you can grow and you can, and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You made me, when you said that five-year-old kid, it made me reference the first story you told here and taking your three-year-old out there. Yeah. That enlightenment is going to transfer from you and those early lessons and the late lessons now into him immediately, right? I mean, that just, yeah. that people don't even get that that cycle or that circle of what we, this yeah. does, right? I mean, it, it just... We, we never we never take the time to tell somebody that I my perception of taking my three-year-old out there hunting is me starting to teach him how to be a man in my eyes, how to pass on to him, you know, what was passed on to me and how... You know, the, for me, that's part of the the training course that my son will go through to become the man that he will someday be. And I I find a lot of values in the lessons that only a only a mountain, only the outdoors can teach us about who we are. Um, when we're outdoors, away from everything, we can't hide from ourselves. It really highlights areas that you know we're strong in and areas that we're deficient in, and it it enables us the opportunity to focus on that and a choose to overcome them or b run from them. But it, you ain't, you can't, you can't hide from it. No, you cannot. You cannot. And, and you know what? Well, since you brought up, you brought up John's episode, he said it right. You can't hide from the mountain. You can't, it will <laughs> expose everything. Every There's weakness, man. You have to let in, in, for me, it's taught me to accept areas in my life that I failed. It's taught me areas in my life that I am not the best person I can be. And it's highlighted that I can work on that and has driven me to find resources to better that part of my life. It makes me a wholer person. You know, I think, I think through hunting, I can teach my son to be resilient. I think I can teach my son to be self-reliant, qualities that I find valuable in life. And qualities that my words, my words can't teach him that. That mountain can. You know, if if we walked off the top of that mountain and left that truck up there and he wants to go home, he nothing's going to teach him that he's got to put the effort out to get back up there, like getting back up there to go home. And there, there's no pause button. There's no stop. There's no white flag. You know, it causes us to dig deep. Yep. And, and, and it's, find out who we are. And let's be clear, it's well beyond a physical challenge, right? I mean, that's there's a lot of focus on that. And and I'm, you know, yes, we we get out there and we grind, you know, we work out or whatever. 
Um, that's to facilitate the hunt, right? But right. exposing weakness, we're talking mental right now. We're mental. not talking physical challenges. We're exposing mental weakness. It, it, you're absolutely right. It is, a, it's a, it is way more a mental game than it is a physical game. Now, for me, the physical part of it, which is an important part of it, but what that does for me is ease the mental burden. If, if I'm in good shape, it's a heck of a lot easier on day six to get up and push than it is if I'm not. It's not that I can't. It's just that it takes that part of the mental game away from it. And it does, it goes back into a mindset and, and a, to be, it, it, we, you know, I see it, we live in a society that makes it way too easy to quit. It's become sociably acceptable to quit in so many avenues in life. And that was a value that my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa, they did not, they did, they were not afforded the ability to quit. If they quit, they died. We are very fortunate now. We live in a world that that's not necessarily the case where we're at. The mountain re-emphasizes that to me every fall. I can't, if I hike up that mountain, I got to hike back. And there's nobody coming to get me. There's no, next to there ain't no quit button. You got to do it. <laughs> no, and, and you have to mentally accept. And then at the end of it, you either did it or you didn't. And then your way home, you know if you did it or you didn't exactly. do it. And there ain't no hiding there from it. no hiding. Nope. You turn around and you look at it and you go, damn, I let myself down. And then you it, let yourself and there is nothing that can motivate you more than that. Uh, and that's the worst feeling, man. And we've all been there yeah. as hunters, right? Where you have oh, that, man. that one time, two times, three times where you throw in the towel. And if that's yeah. at the end of the season, that is the longest year ever. I mean, just drive it, you it, crazy. It can be a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. You know, you I mean, it's redemption out. I mean, I, w I went through a, a, a small phase in my life where my priorities got a little askewed and I, you know, I convinced myself I had better things to do than go hunting and I didn't put the effort into it. And looking back on it now, I regret, I've regretted that since the day I did it. And I'm not going to allow that to happen again. I don't want to live with that regret. I don't want, I'm not going to let myself down like that. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can put the effort in to not let that happen. That was horrible. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that is a horrible feeling, man. And it, it, like I said, you know, I, I think we've all been there and it, it's, you know, our evolution, you know, as, as hunters, I think it's just part of that game. It is. And, you know, I think it, I think it answers questions that are inside of us all that we don't have the words to describe. We don't have the words to answer that question. But I can tell you, it's, it's, it's in us. It's who we are. It's what we are. And I think that we, whether, whatever your avenue is to answer those questions, I think we all have that, you know, from, from a guy that, you know, comes off of Wall Street, you know, he probably spends a week in Colorado backpacking, hitting the 13,000 footers. That's his avenue. Respect that. You know, that's, I mean, he's, and he not he can't correlate that to hunting. He can't understand that part of it. 
but he can understand that he questions are answered for him when he's on that mountain. And he's had the he's had the trips where he's only made it up seven thousand feet, and for whatever reason decided it was too rough, and he turned back around. Had to go and, back to Wall Street and wait for the next trip to go out there and and redeem himself and to find himself even further in that in that struggle up yeah. to that fourteener. And no matter what he put on Instagram, he knows what happened. That's it. Yes, sir. And you get yes. and you have to own it, and it can make us a better person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely does. That's what the outdoor life is oh, to me. I, I, me and you both. <laughs> and it's, it's so, for, I mean, to tie that back into to Kong Valley, I mean, you know, that, that, that's what the message is. That's, I mean, embrace it and understand it and know that it's okay to, to put it out there and that it's okay to embrace that part of who we are, you know, and and if you need nothing more than a platform to feel comfortable to do it, there you go, man. Here it is. You're welcome here. Whether, you know, if you're a, a hiker or what, it doesn't matter. We, I mean, brother, I don't care. I mean, if, if, if the outdoors is important to you, you know, if it's just hiking, you're going to do something in the future to keep that opportunity available. And that's going to help me to do my part to keep that opportunity available. I'm doing this for my kids. I want them to have these opportunities. If we if, if we come together, we're strong, and we can we can maintain this, and we can respect that entity, and it will be there for the future. And whether that be, you know, I, if you're not a hunter and you don't believe in hunting and you're opposed to it, I'm telling you that's okay. I, I can, I can accept that and I can understand that. But if you appreciate the wilds, you appreciate the animals, do it in your way. That's great. But understand I'm on your team. I'm doing it to protect it as well. And I know that's counterintuitive because I'm, I'm taking the life of something there, but I'm doing it to preserve it and protect it as well. Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Woo. That's all I could do. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to do that a few times. <laughs> so, uh, 2019, man, what, what are the plans yeah. for you and, and how involved with Kong Valley and what can we expect to see from Luke? Well, the, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to, to figure out how to way to, you know, I want to, I want to bring this journey, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm on, so just, this is my 30 year 31 is 2019. So I'm, I'm getting pretty close to the journey, but I'm, I'm going to figure out a way, you know, I want to tie it back into some, some factual data points. You know, I want to give, I want to be able to give people some pointers, you know, a hand up or whatever it is, or just a little push in the right direction. So I'm going to figure out how to tie that journey into some of that, you know, um, I don't know how that's going to work out just yet. I haven't figured it out, but it'll come, that'll come out in 19. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put some, uh, I want to put some social media focus on, you know, I'm going to tell, I got another story that I'm going to start telling on, and the positive influences that a honey have had in my day-to-day life and who I am as a person. I want, I want to get that. I want that message to go out. Um, and then, you know, just you know, supporting and, and, and helping and knowing 
you know, letting people know that, Hey, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. We're out here. You know, I'll help anybody I can. It's, that's who I am as a person. Um, you know, just spreading the good word, you know, being a better person, you know, I want to, you know, that's, you know, that's my drive now. You know, my, my six point bull now is to be a better person every day. Um, and mentorship is, is like, you know, and, and selfishly speaking, mentorship is, is where I get a lot of my gratification in the hunting world now. So, you know, I, I got, you know, I got some, you know, I got a, a hunt planned with my son coming up in May that I'm stoked about to, you know, I'm going to, I mean, we're going to go full blown away from mom, taking the wall tent, the whole deal, you know, and, and, and starting that, that next step in his journey. And, you know, I got, uh, you know, I got, I got a great friend that, uh, we're pretty confident is going to be pulling his Wyoming tag this year for elk hunting. And, uh, and I'm really, really excited about it. And, uh, being able to take another step in his journey and, and uh, we're almost at a point where his son's going to be old enough to hunt. And uh, I told him, I said, dude, we're going into crash course time. You got to get ready so that you can pass this on. And, you know, so there's a lot of that, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always keeping my eye open for, uh, you know, mentorship opportunities and uh, people that are really giving back and trying to help and support them. Um, that's important to me. Um, and, the, and they are out there, you know, there, there's some, there's some really good people out there. They're trying to do some really good things. And sometimes they just need a good word. Even if it's just a good word, that, I think that helps them. Um, so that, you know, that's my big things. And then, um, there's going to be a little bit of elk hunting in 2019. <laughs> I'm sure there is, man. <laughs> <laughs> sure there is. Yeah. I'll have to, uh, I have to be banging on your door. So I applied for Wyo again this year, but you know, going in with awesome. no points after blowing them last year, yeah. I, I'm probably not going to be there, but I know my chance will go back up in 2020. Somebody kicking down your door. Well, I, I think you're probably going in with 15 or 20% chance with no points. Yeah. I mean, there's always a chance. Yeah. I'm crossing my fingers to it, man. I, I, that, that was an amazing experience, you know, um, I, I got to get back up there and I, and I kind of blew it cause I didn't, I could have hunted antelope and I didn't pull the trigger on it. And, uh, mm -hmm. man, watching those things run across those plains was just, yeah. <laughs> antelope, I love to hunt antelope, oh, man. I, man. I, I spend 10, 12, 14 days a year chasing antelope one way or another. It's just, and you know, maybe, and you know, deal with Jonathan, but it, I think there's an opportunity out there to, to, to get it out there to people, what opportunities are readily available. Um, you know, the popular ones are pretty publicized and are, it can be tough to, to get a hold of, but, and the point that you can understand, uh, these proclamations and these different regulations from state to state, um, anybody can, I mean, you can hunt antelope, you can hunt mule deer, you can hunt elk, you can hunt white-tailed deer, you can hunt black bear, whatever it is, these, you can do this every year. It doesn't take three, four, five years to no, get that. No, you can do it. It's there. Um, yeah. So you know, maybe you know, maybe that's there's something there that the, the collective could help with. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. I don't know. Can you help hunting? 
<laughs> can you help the addiction, <laughs> the obsession? No. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I can help you in the fact that once you embrace it as an addiction and take it for what it is, you'll have a little more peace in your life. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, don't I, fight the demon. Yeah, you can't. You cannot. It's amazing. <laughs> I absolutely love every, every bit of it, man. I mean, just talking about it, you know, tag, when, when you start looking at, Oh, here comes tag season, you know, yeah. even, even that part you get excited up. for, man. Yeah. That's well. And that's, you know, I break down my years that way, you know, I mean, you know, June 15th, June 20th, give or take until generally speaking, Christmas is full blown go mode. But then the, off season what off season january exactly. boom tags yep february tags march tags yeah. april tags may <laughs> i'm going bear hunt yep. yep and then you know then may well by june my tag results are out i'm planning my hunts you know horn growth is such that i'm starting to pinpoint my bulls next thing i know it's the end of august bulls are rubbing velvet i'm lacing up the boots and we're on the mountain yeah, yeah. it's go time yeah you know it's 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 there and yeah, it's it drove my wife nuts for a few years, but we've found balance in it. Yeah, mine's been really good, man. With you know the I'm, I'm gonna call it the newfound freedom with the kids, you know, and mm -hmm. and the athletics kind of dying off here. Um, and my wife has been absolutely wonderful about letting me get this time in the field, and you know, being understanding that uh, I have to be there, I have to do it, I I cannot yeah. not you know go do it. It's it's you know. It took me, it took me a long time to be able to communicate with my wife on why it was so important to me. And when I was finally able to demonstrate to her what the value of, of it was to me, there was an understanding. And at the point there was an understanding, it created a, a greater desire for me to have her involved. And don't get me wrong, boys trips are important, but the, you know, we've, the last couple of years, we take a week and me, the wife and the two kids, we, we've started hunting whitetails. We found an avenue that we can do low impact, low pressure whitetail deer hunts. Oh, nice. And it is, it's such a fun time, you know, and it's not about going out and getting a deer or getting a big old buck because it, it's, you got a, a six-year-old and, and a, and a three-year-old, the attention span's not really there yet. And, and, uh, it is a hoot. I, I, I mean, I laugh all day and heaven forbid when two years in a row, we've been able to get a deer, you know, and, uh, but we did it as a family and it's something that we've kind of grown to look forward to. And, and it's, it's, it's really become cherished time. And, uh, it's given, I've had, I mean, since I met my wife, I've, I've had her out, you know, you're coming out with me. You got to come try this. It's great. And, and I think at first she just kind of did it to appease me, but we found an avenue to, uh, where she's enjoying it now. I think the wilds have got her. Yeah. And, and, and for her, you know, that for her, the experience is a little different. You know, we call it making accommodations. We make accommodations. I'm really pushing on her this year. I want her to come to a backcountry elk hunt with me. Um, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get her convinced to, to, to go and go on a full blown elk hunt. I mean, she's taken a couple of nice elk and, 
actually she's buffalo she's went to africa with me but oh, wow. i want to i want to get her on the mountain and uh and and do a full-blown hunt and we had all this discussion man and that's the first time we heard about africa so oh yeah i've been to africa brother okay so we're, we're gonna right now i'm gonna get a commitment we're gonna have an african episode man you're on brother <laughs> we got to hear about that one shoot so we'll, yeah, we, we'll make that part too uh, have, have you have you delved into whitetail hunting yet yeah yeah so whitetail hunting is a new addiction that i've just figured out in the last two or three years and it is a riot it's fun it is it is some fun but yeah that's another africa yeah oh man africa if you haven't uh, i'm you know everybody's heard it once you go you'll go back and you'll do it for a reason it's a phenomenal experience on so many levels wow yeah i'll have to we're definitely doing a follow-up on that one man i i don't know if we would have if we could have peeled off in the two two and a half hour mark (laughs) (laughs) the elk discussion in africa and kong valley yeah that's uh, oh yeah yeah we'll definitely have to get into that man so we'll go ahead we're we're sitting you know just past two hours man um and it's you know getting late for both of us you're a little bit ahead of me uh real quick we like to spread the message of conservation um Mm -hmm. calling it the conservation quick why don't you give us you know a a two-minute spiel if you will and your views of conservation and how we can help that situation yeah, for me, you know, conservation is is trying to look at things in the in in the long term and in the bigger picture. And my my suggestion is there is some some really great established groups out there that are doing some phenomenal work. Um, but do your homework, you know, find the ones that resonate with you and 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 support them, however you can. You know, you know, might not be monetarily. Maybe it's you know, a weekend project that they got that you can go and run a shovel on there. There's ways that you can help, but do your homework on, on the, on these and find the one that's right for you. You know, we've all got different mindsets and I think it's important that we find the ones that, that touch our heartstrings. Um, and then the, the other, you know, for me in conservation is don't get into the mindset that all oh, that's Turkey. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, a guy that that's going to stand up and fight for the Turkey woods is going to stand up and fight for the elk woods. We're on the same team and, uh, you can, you know, if you can support them, support them. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, it really does, you know, we got to put our money where our mouth is on that conservation effort. We're all good about talking about it, but are we really putting our money where our mouth is? And, and I, that's not just monetarily. Um, I recognize and understand that not everybody can afford to, to make donations and go to charity banquets to raise money and do all these things. But that's where it comes in. You know, I'm sure everywhere, you know, these, these organizations do, you know, weekend projects. Um, you know, like in Wyoming, there's a lot of groups that go out and do habitat improvement plans and then they need volunteers. And a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll, they bust everybody out there. They're going to feed you lunch. They're going to make sure you got water and you're just there, you know, you're, digging a hole, pounding fence, whatever it is, that helps, you know, these things help animals, um, that helps conservation efforts. Um, education is really, really important. Um, there's, 
lots of really poor perceptions and out there on what conservation is and, and what the effects of them are. And it's really important to educate ourselves first and then to deliver the right information to everybody so that we can understand what's going on. Um, those are, you know, conservation is about education to me. I mean, the more we understand, the more cognizant we can be in our actions and the more pointed we can be in our time and our actions. Um, it's really important, I think. Um, you know, it, it, in a conservation effort, um, you know, mule deer have a have a, a really special place in my, my heart and my soul. And it, I think mule deer initiatives that are in play right now are really critical and really crucial. Um, we saw a lot of changes in in the health of the mule deer population and you know for our, our kids and our grandkids to have that resource we need to put some effort into it and understanding what's going on and doing our part to helping them um awesome man check on that stuff yeah it's important it's important that's why i want to chop that on every single episode man the more we get it out there the more we talk about it the more eyes are open spawning the thought man it's huge so yeah. um luke i greatly appreciate your time man it's been an absolute pleasure i didn't have much to say you killed it that was that's a wonderful episode man it was especially the elk topic for me I, I shouldn't say especially elk topic but you just you know you stoked that fire some more man gave me some uh gave me some tips in there and i'm sure that uh, the folks will hear the message the kvc message coming from uh coming from you loud and clear and hopefully that opens their eyes to get out there and talk about it some more man so i greatly appreciate your time i appreciate that and thank you and been a pleasure yes sir and we'll get uh i'm gonna hold you to it man we're doing part two we're gonna talk africa you just let me know brother all right brother you take care man thanks a lot thank you You can catch up with Luke and follow his journey on Instagram at yl underscore elk underscore fever. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman, the founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up, and our brand is going to represent them, and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com, or you can find us on Instagram at DisabledOutdoorsmanUSA. We want you to be a part of the cause with us, and let's make a difference one day at a time.